What's good, people? What's going on? Hope you guys are well. Hope you guys are good. Welcome to another episode of me, myself, and Basketball, the podcast brought to you by NBA UK fans, by the fans, for the fans. As always, I'm your host, the stand-up comedian and Raptors fan, Nathan Caton. Just want to say a massive bid up, actually, to all the all the people who've been listening to the pod and, and sh- showing us love on the socials. We appreciate you guys, man. Thank you very much. Continue to share it out, you know, to other basketball fans, you know, to, to the to the ever-growing community of NBA fans here in the UK, man. Yeah, so big love to you guys and continue to support us, man. We appreciate it. To the, to the new new listeners, hello, how are you guys doing? So this podcast, uh, we talked to a, a guest who's a, an NBA fan here in the UK. We talk about their journey, how they got into into basketball and yes yeah, just, just have a, a good old chinwag about love for the game today's guest uh, is, is a is a is a journalist who's got a very interesting story and affiliation with the game so i'm just gonna say hello paul brown how are you mate i'm good yeah thanks for having me lovely to have you on the podcast man you've come highly recommended so it's good that you've come on i appreciate <laughs> it thank you very much do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners you know tell them who you are you know how how you're tied into the basketball world Okay, well, I, I work for the Daily Star, Daily Express, Daily Mirror, and I don't get a, a chance to write about basketball as much as I'd like, but I have managed to force some of that into the paper and online over the years. But basically, I'm just a massive fan. I grew up watching NBA highlights on Channel 4 late night and you know, live games, you know, way back in the, that'd be the early 90s, oh, yeah. so the, the Jordan yeah. era. But I can remember even younger than that, uh, I have massive family in Finland and we used to go on a summer holiday every every year to Finland to this big old summer house in the middle of nowhere in a forest by a lake. And this was in the 80s and they, they'd be showing some some Larry versus Magic Celtics Lakers stuff. And that's where I first sort of picked it up. I had cousins who were slightly older than me and quite quite enjoyed it too. So I watched some of that and, and kind of fell in love with the with the Celtics. So I've, I've actually realised it's totally by accident. I'm like, I'm sitting here wearing a Celtics hoodie, <laughs> which wasn't wasn't at all planned. But this is not on live live camera like some of my zooms are. Okay, so um, cool. I just put anything on. So yeah, so I'm a big Celtics fan, and I've been lucky enough that because I get to write about the NBA sometimes, I've been over there and seen games and met people and. You know, got to interview players and stuff. So it's been, it's been fun. It's been fun. Mate, that sounds amazing already. Like <laughs> already, I'm, I'm, I'm jealous. I'm like, wow, man. You, I wish I could, I wish I could do your job. You want to swap? <laughs> so you said your, your cousin got into basketball, is that right? Kind of, yeah. Just because it was on the TV, really. I think I'm, I'm more into it than, than both of them are. Uh, I think they, ironically, like one, one of them is, a, is an ex-footballer. Um, used to play for Crystal Palace and, and Finland. He's not a, a massive basketball fan, but the other one. Um, also played sort of quite a good level of football in, in Finland. Um, then he went on to be a sports presenter on TV and he's now a, a producer on Finnish TV. And he was actually involved in getting Scotty Pippin over to Finland to play a, oh, to play a basketball tournament years ago. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> you know. Did you get to go out? Go I didn't. No, no, I gutted. No, hey, gutted. He's one, one of my... One of my heroes, Scotty Pippen. Yeah, man, it's Scotty. Hey, fam, cuz, hook me up, man. Yeah. Hook me up. <laughs> um, did you play yourself when, when you were younger? Yeah, played in school. Um, we had a, a sports teacher there who was really into basketball, went on to be the headmaster at my local school. Mm. Um, but I've got to say, there wasn't a whole lot of interest. So there'd be weeks where we couldn't, we could barely put a full team out. We'd, we'd have six max, <laughs> basically. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. It was a good way to get fit because you were knackered by the end of the game. But you, just, you didn't have enough subs to keep it going. I can't. I can't say I was any good. I can. I can shoot your jump shot, and I'm six four. I was. I was big at school, so okay. you know they just said crash the balls and do what you can. But I was hardly like the the life and soul of that team. Um, but just really enjoyed it. Always have. Always played in in the park, and you know still still do when I can sometimes. So yeah. It's just I don't know why it's a sport that's that's just always appealed to me mm. more than any other. Really, I, I spend most of my time writing and watching football, but while I'm really into it, I'm, I'm not as into football as I am in is basketball. Okay, all right, cool, man. So I was going to ask uh, when when you played when you were younger, like who <laughs> who in your in your mind who who were you imagining yourself to be? Who was your game based on? Oh, who was it based on? God, you ask that to you ask that of everyone. That's a really embarrassing question, well, isn't it? If you play, then yeah. <laughs> I, was, I, I, I think every kid when they're playing, like 
Like whenever you dream, shot, yeah, you yeah, dream. Like, Jordan yeah. or Shaq or yeah. whatever, you know what I mean? Oh, look, so I, I, I had no handles really at all. So I, I never I never imagined myself being a Jordan or anyone like that. I, I think I related most to people like Kevin McHale, massive beanpole, skinny guy who just, <laughs> you know, did all his work under the basket and tried really hard. That was me. So I was kind of imagining doing all those post moves but not getting them right very often. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you just I, prob- I probably looked I probably looked more like Minute Bowl than uh, Kevin McHale at times, <laughs> but you know, I did my best. <laughs> so you would you would descend to basically just get the ball to you and just yeah, just do what you gotta do. Yeah, although to be fair, I was actually better out on the perimeter. I was quite a good quite a good guard in um guards and, and stealing and stuff so it's a bit wasted as a centre if I do say so myself but, <laughs> but yeah did you, did you play beyond school did you ever like uh, no I never, I never I never took it any further really just like games in the park and you know yeah no, no further than that it's, it's hard where I live I live in south east London mm-hmm. proper suburbia mm-hmm. and there isn't there isn't much around there aren't really even that many clubs you could go to but I was never I never thought I was good enough to get in a in a proper team and didn't pursue it really. So, yeah, I knew it wasn't going to go any further than that. I just oh. enjoyed it. It's fun, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. Just so cardio in it, you know what I mean? Just you running yeah. back and forth for how how long? Yeah, it's just a fun game to watch. Um, yeah, mm. if, like, if anyone who's listening who's like who hasn't played it and just, just getting into basketball or is thinking about it, I, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. It's, it's a fun sport to watch and to play. Um, Absolutely. I was going to ask you, uh, do, do, do you remember, was there like a, a standout game that you watched as a kid that was like, okay, you've got me? I, I think I, I really fell in love with those Bulls Knicks series in the 90s because okay. they, were, they were brutal and they were, people forget, if you haven't lived through it, if you haven't lived through the Jordan era, there was a time when Jordan just looked unstoppable and any time he lost a game, it was like a big deal, you know, and you'd, you'd be expecting a, a comeback in, in the next one. Um, and, and those series, to begin with, the first couple of years, nobody really expected anything from the Knicks and they 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 shocked the balls and those series went, went either way and they just had characters and, yeah, I thought they really brought the best out of Michael Jordan and, and that, for me, was like a, a massive, a massive deal back in those days. So probably those. But since I've you know, followed basketball a bit more and gone back and looked at looked at other old games. Um, the one series that really stands out is the 84 finals when okay. um, the Celtics played the Lakers yeah. and that was like such high quality basketball. It was like really, really... It, the Lakers went into that series and they were just running and gunning and making the Celtics look old and slow and stupid and then the Celtics just ground them down and it became like a proper battle. And everything was so hotly contested, and it was Larry going against Magic, and proper seven-game series. And literally every game in that series is a classic. You ever get to watch one of those games? They're all like maximum entertainment. I loved it. Nice, cool. So, um, as a kid, did you have like uh, basketball posters on on your wall? You have like oh yeah, okay. I'm guessing it was was Larry Bird and stuff, or was it any? Any no, I think I came to I came to Larry a bit later. Like that, that he's my he's my first memory of watching some of those games in in Finland. But yeah. by the time I was sort of old enough to be buying magazines and putting posters on the wall, it was the Jordan era. So I had him. You know, I liked Isaiah Thomas as well. The Pistons okay. stuff was was quite fun when when the Bulls got into that. But I, I just, all, all, yeah, all, all, all sorts of um, all sorts of people were on my wall, and I had all the V eight. <laughs> In the days of video, showing my age, I had like the Jordan VHS tapes. I've still got them somewhere. I can't watch them or anything because I don't have the machines anymore. But I've still got, I've got them all. All, all the Jordan videos, yeah, um, yeah, great fun. I can some some of the I've watched them so many times. So the lines like come to you some sometimes just out of the blue because you you hear what he says. Oh, mate, hang on to those tapes, man. They're, they're worth yeah, something. Yeah, I will. Man. I will. But okay, what what other like old merchandise do you, do you still have? I don't know about old. Like a lot, lots of the stuff I have now, I've sort of collected more recently. Really, okay. um, I like I, I still, I, I got to go to to Boston on a, a works trip to do um, lots of previews for NBA London when the Celtics okay. came over here, and 
I know it's like my my team, so I would say this, but they really bent over backwards to make us feel welcome, and we went home. We went home with a sack full of freebies, and I'm still wearing the the Celtics bobble hat now. But that that whole that whole experience was just a, a complete dream. Like just just to be there in in the start. I never saw the old garden, um, but but to be in the in the new one was was brilliant. And they actually had us in the boardroom, so we're sitting around in the boardroom like me and maybe six other journalists, I think, on this trip, mm. eating lobster rolls and just oh, wow. chatting with the chatting with the big wheels, chatting with Wick Grouse, Beck and all the rest about, you know, how they built this team. And like they didn't really they didn't know us. They, I don't think they never met us before or anything. They just knew they had a bunch of English journalists coming over to, to cover the Celtics. Yeah. And they rolled out the red carpet. So we had like an hour with Wick and, and people around him chatting about their lives and what they'd done with the Celtics. They, wow. they devoted like a special part of the press conference after the game we saw just to let us ask questions. And I've been in the media in this country and there are foreign media who, you know, come to report on football and basketball yeah. or whatever here. We don't do that for them. That, yeah. that felt quite special, you know. We got, we got time with Kyrie on our own when he was there yeah. in the locker room. The, the thing, the big thing people don't see so much the big difference when you're in the media and you cover American sports is over there you can just wander into the locker room and talk to people yeah whereas like here here say in the Premier League that's like total that's a total no-no you can barely get down the tunnel (laughs) without without a special pass but in in America they're, they're so much more used to it and so much more open to the media that they let you in players are all ready and willing to talk I can remember um I went once to a game, the Bulls were playing in Miami. It was the the first first game of the season. Mm-hmm. Heat were getting their their rings, um, and I went because Lou Deng was playing for the Bulls. I thought oh, I'll get an interview with him. It's um, there's some sort of GB stuff I'd like to ask him about. Yeah. So I didn't really know how it all worked. Got to the stadium. Um, it's actually quite hard to find where to park at, <laughs> at the stadium. I ended up like taking a wrong turn and nearly going across the water over a massive bridge. I thought this is a bad idea. I had no idea how I'd get back from this. So I sort of swung a U-turn on this um, on this highway and, and pulled into a little a little side bit and, and managed to find my way into the ground, but probably an illegal move in, in the States. So I shouldn't really have done it. Um, got in, found myself in the locker room before the game. Uh, and I thought, oh, this is this is like straight. I've nev- never done this before. Should I be here? You know, but it was all all seemed to be okay. So I went up to Lou. I said, Lou, look, I'm I'm from England. Would you mind doing a couple of questions about GB and the Olympics and, and all of that? You know, and, and where you see the the team going in the next few years? And yeah, 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 yeah. No, no problem, no problem. Good to have you here. But c- can we do it after the game? I was like, okay, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I'll come back. No problem, no problem. N- not even sure he'd he'd speak to me because I had no. Um, no buffer to line it up beforehand, so I just went on the off chance I could get an interview. So sure. go and watch the game up in up in the gods. Um and Lord Ding has a stinker, like a real stinker. Oh, okay. And he 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 basically gets the blame for them throwing the game. So I'm thinking, oh uh, I've got to go back down and ask him questions now and he's probably not gonna to want to talk. <laughs> so I went back down to the locker room after the game and there he is like getting changed and, and all the media are in there all a bit sort of wary and you can tell like, all the American media, all the cameras are in there and they want to talk to Luol because yeah. he, he's going to be the full guy for this performance, right? But none of them want to make the first move. So I thought, well, I can't, <laughs> I can't, I can't be here all night. I've got places to go. So so I went over and said, oh, Luol, is it still okay if we do a few questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as soon as he said, yeah, literally like five American camera crews swarmed around me. Oh. So they'd waited for me to make the first move, right? And I've stuck my dictaphone under, under Luol's face, poor guy. And then all these camera crews turn up. And there's me asking him all these questions about, oh, where do you think the GB team go from here? And how did you find the Olympics? And, you know, what what do you think they're doing enough for British basketball? What can we improve? And I can see like all the American journalists looking around at each other saying, what the hell is this guy talking about? Why, why, is, he, why is he in Miami? Talking about British basketball, and we're, we're we're like recording this. Some of them might have been going live for a while. I have no idea, but they're all like, "How long do we let this guy speak?" <laughs> but to be fair, they they did they did let me have a few. They let me have like four or five questions, and they all jumped in and, and basically said, "Little, why were you shit today?" <laughs> yeah, no, that's and, right. and then it was, and then it it, it kind of um, 
closed it down and I thought, oh, that's, that's it, he's not going to want to know now. But he did a few questions for them and I waited and went back and said, look, I'm really sorry, but I did have a few more things to ask you, would you mind? And gentleman that the guy is, he did another like five or ten minutes with me, like beautiful stuff, all gold, made a nice feature when I came home. So that was a nice experience. Oh, quality. And you know what? I think he probably would have appreciated you talking about something else rather than having all the American jokes. Probably, going, yeah. Probably. You suck today. What happened? <laughs> yeah. Okay. For yeah. the 10th time, it was an off day. Leave me alone. But yeah, so I think it probably it was, a, it was a refreshing change. Oh, mate, that's, mate, oh, that's quite... The, the, funny, the funny thing about that, though, <laughs> was um, I, was in, I was in Miami because um, uh, I was, my friend was getting married in Key West. So okay. me, me and my missus flew out to, to Miami and we were spending like two nights in Miami and then going to Key West for the wedding. And I didn't tell her that, oh, there's a basketball game on and the British guy's playing and <laughs> wouldn't it be great if I could go and get an interview? So I just arranged it and said, mm, by the way, darling, um, I'm going to a basketball game while we're there. And told her and she looked at the dates and she said, you realise that's the night after we leave Miami, don't you? And I went, oh. So... I had to drive from Miami all the way to Key West, it's like a few hour drive way out on, on, yeah. along the coast, then drive back for the game, and then drive back after the game at like midnight or whatever Gosh. to Key West. So I was knackered. And by like two o'clock in the morning, um, I was almost back at Key West waiting to be like, you know, <laughs> I mean, um, t- told off quite, quite yeah. severely. But I was almost back and I got pulled over by, by the police. What? And, and, yeah, got pulled over by the police, and I thought, "Ooh, was I? I, I was definitely speeding." Sorry, American okay. police, but okay. you know, you hear, you hear all the stories, and like pulled over, looked in the in the rear view, and there's a massive cop with a gun on his belt walking down the dark street towards the car. So I'm I'm fully expecting the the whole hands on the dash, you know. Yeah, yeah. Actually, the guy was quite nice and, and friendly, and. As soon as he heard the accent, he said, oh, what are you doing in Key West? You know, a bit sort of suspicious. I, I told him the story. I'm here to interview Luarte. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mention the wedding or any of that, obviously. Um, and, and it turned out he hadn't, he wasn't doing me for speeding, but on American hire cars, apparently there's a little switch you have to press underneath the steering wheel that turns some lights on at the back. And I'd gone past him on the highway and he'd noticed the lights weren't on, so he just he'd followed me down the road, pulled me over, and said, "You need to put your lights on." But he'd, no, uh, I didn't get booked, and I had to show license and, and all that. But um, made made it back without having to spend a night in jail or, or uh, <laughs> hands on the dash or anything like that. So I made it. I made it. She wasn't happy with me, but I made it, and I got a good interview <laughs> out of it. And the wedding went fine, so it was all good. <laughs> The sacrifices we make for basketball. Like. <laughs> yeah, and, and our better halves, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, that too. <laughs> um, I, I was actually going to ask, like, when the uh, cop pulled you over, did you, like, did you, like, British it up? Did you, were, you, were you a proper, proper bit British accent? Um, not, not, I noticed I was probably too terrified because when, <laughs> when you see someone walking towards you in the dark with a gun... Uh, you know, he didn't have it, have it out or anything, but first thing you notice, that there's a massive gun on his belt. There's a massive yeah, gun on his yeah. belt. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough I'm white, so you did, I didn't have that kind of fear, I suppose. But still, you see, you, you, you know, you see and you hear stories and you think, oh, this, this oh, don't do anything wrong. Don't yeah. Keep your hands where you can see them. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, okay. it was all fine. It was all fine. Oh, man. So, okay, you've been all over like the US and watching games like what, what venues have you been to what, what um, arenas um, quite a few I've been to Indiana to see the Pacers that okay. was actually my favourite venue it just has really? real character yeah what, I don't what know why. TV it, yeah it, yeah I think so yeah that, that's more like any kind of um, arena now it's, it's just kind of a modern you could be in any 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 basketball arena when you're at the garden sadly um like the, the fake parquet is still there but it's fake you know and it, it feels it feels like an average basketball arena but um the pacers playing it's like it's hard to describe it's 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 not open air but it's almost open air and it's it's brick and it's really old school it just has massive character i loved it and i, I got to the arena and there was a, a sign up on the um whether it's a joke or not, I don't know. There was a sign up on the, on the arena saying, "Please leave your guns at reception." 
Honey, I've got God knows what that was all about. But <laughs> I took, took a picture of it. It's just so funny. Um, and like Indiana was it, was, it was a nice place. I really enjoyed myself. I was only there for a couple of nights. Um, okay. But you know, did did a bit of partying in the the bars next door and. People were like friendly and yeah, it was good, really good. But the, the venue was was amazing. Um, where else have I been? I've been to Chicago. Okay. Don't remember much about that one. Is that a good thing or bad? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I've been to Philly. Philly was quite nice. The food was best in Boston though, by a mile. Yeah, not just arena food. And the venue. Yeah, arena food and also um, like around it, the bars and that really good. Really good beers, really good food. Oh, it's not, okay. What, what's the what's the worst place you've been to then? Oh, in the states. Um, oh, uh, I wouldn't like to say there's been a worst really. Uh, pe- people like Slate Detroit, but I've been there and quite enjoyed it too. Never been to Madison Square Garden. I want to try that one. That's that's probably, you know, everyone's um, hoop hoop dream. The Mecca yeah. basketball, isn't it? I went to Brooklyn too. That was that was. Found Brooklyn a bit dull, a bit not much character really in, in the Brooklyn arena. But this was a few years ago; might have changed. I don't know. And I stayed in like a tiny, mm. tiny hotel, walking distance from the arena, which was mm. good. And just walked all, all the way down there, stopped in a couple of bars on the way. And um, like Brooklyn people were like really friendly. As soon as they heard the accent, they're like, oh, where, where are you? Why are you here? You know, like, this is very, really, very really funny. <laughs> So I, I, I constantly had to tell stories to people all, all, all day that day, which was quite fun. Yeah, so it's been it's been good. Who who's who had the best fans out of all your visits? Best fans, uh, yeah. obviously Boston. <laughs> that to be fair, they they were they were rowdy that game. I can't even remember who they were playing, but that that was like a it wasn't a playoff game, but they they were noisy. I can remember when we went to we went to Philly. It was another it was a media thing again arranged by the NBA. Um, and Kath from um, NBA Europe had arranged for the mascot to, to get us <laughs> during the game. Okay. So suddenly this, this this huge bear appears like behind us. He's spraying us with squirty spray, and uh, we're up on the on the on the video thing on above the above the arena. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like what the hell was that? You think you've been attacked? And then oh okay, thanks Kath. You know like, that was quite fun too. Um, I haven't had a bad experience. Any NBA games, just lap it up, you know, the atmosphere and the yeah. play and all the rest of it. Just love going. So it's all been good, really. What's been your favourite game that you've been to? Um, the first one. First NBA London I ever went to was Dominique Wilkins against Shaq in uh, 93, I think. She's going back a bit. right? And, and I love Dominique, so that was like a real... A real highlight. They they came and Shaq did like famous um, PR shots of him stuck in a phone box that he could barely fit in. You know, an old London red phone <laughs> that barely fit inside. Yeah. And, um, I don't remember much about the actual game. I just remember being like massively starstruck that I was getting to see Dominique because you know human highlight film one of those dunks is just great to be able to see. That. And and that's like a really iconic jersey as well. I've always wanted one of those jerseys. Or I've got I've got loads of jerseys, but that one's definitely on the the want list so that, that's been my favourite game I think How did you get into like writing for the NBA like NBA journalism how, how did that come about? I went to university did English went to Leeds um, to do English wasn't really sure what I wanted to get into what sort of career I, I was after just knew I could write my dad was a journalist, he used to work for the Press Association for years covering football. He has absolutely no interest in basketball yeah. whatsoever, doesn't get it. I've tried to like, <laughs> you know, get, get him into it, but he's, uh, it's only ever going to be a passing interest for him. So I did okay. sort of uh, some part-time journalism work when I was at Leeds. I seemed to be okay at it, so took it a bit further, did a like a fast track diploma in Sheffield, ended up becoming a journalist. Totally by accident. It wasn't really anything I had planned, just seemed to be something I, I could do. So I did it. Um in those days and, and uh, you know, it's the same now, they only really wanted people writing about football, but I've covered everything from like ice hockey to pigeon racing. I used to do pigeon racing results in the uh Kentish Times and believe it or not those, those were like that was serious stuff the pigeon racing because if you got any of those wrong you'd have people ringing in and saying you got my pigeon wrong seriously um, 
But over the years, I've, because I love basketball, I've always tried to push it. And I've always tried to say to whoever I've worked for, look, we should be doing this. This is a good story. Let, let me go to this game. Let, let me cover this player. We should do a, a piece on this. And sometimes they've said yes. Sometimes they've said no. I've had more success sometimes than others. And I think like when, when the NBA see you trying, the NBA over here, especially when they were bringing teams over for NBA London every year, they'd see the guys who were really you know, trying to promote it and write about the sport and they, they'd look after you. So that's how we've ended up getting some quite good trips out of them. It's, it's gone a bit quiet since there's no NBA London anymore, sadly. But, you know, for, for a while it was it was good and, and we'd get good access and we'd get good pieces and we'd get stuff in the paper. So it's just nice to do. Um, the, the flip side, I suppose, is that, you know, we the NBA takes away from a lot of the British... Uh, basketball, like the BBL can't get a look in sometimes in in the media in this country mm. because basketball fans, you know, they all watch the NBA, they love the NBA, and I've, I've seen like yeah. social media studies where eighty percent of the interest in basketball from this country is in the NBA, not in our own basketball. Mm-hmm. So that sometimes it, yeah. it it crowds the space a bit too much, but it's it's such a. I think the NBA have got. A, they they don't just have a really good product; they have a really good way of promoting it. Like lots of sports leagues around the world, mm-hmm. they don't they don't let you do. You won't see like clips on Twitter or <coughs> social media. You won't see mm-hmm. easy to access highlights on on YouTube. It's all rights holders. Yeah. No, you've got to pay for that. The NBA let it all out there. It's a really accessible sport for the whole world, and I think that's yeah. why it's become like a really big global thing. Um, it's a shame they never. They, they they talked quite seriously for a while about bringing a franchise here, or maybe even having like a um, a division in Europe with a few a few capital cities hosting teams. And for a while, it was just pie in the sky. But before the financial crash, I think they were genuinely really looking at how feasible that might be. And then since everything changed, it's gone completely off the radar. But I would, I would love to have seen a franchise here. Mm, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. In regards to the BBL, do you think that there's more exp- exposure now? Like, obviously, you see more games on, like, on, on TV and things, or do you think there's still much more work that needs to be done? Oh, there's a hell of a lot more work that needs to be done. They, they get more exposure. It's good to see it on TV, and it's been a much more mm. professionally produced product than it has been in, in previous yeah. years. Um, the people who run basketball in this country have made so many mistakes over such a long period of time that it, it hasn't really helped. I think there's a lot of questions that probably need to be asked about where some of the money's gone through all that time. And even even, even when yeah. we had an Olympic team that didn't really make the most of it, I don't think they they really pushed the boats out to get all of the people they could have got to play. And probably yeah. the legacy after that, they haven't managed to build on it really. It's, it's slipped back a little bit. So it's a shame. I, I go to games and I don't go to as many games as I, as I could and I'd like to, but I do go. I've been to the Lions a couple of times. Um, yeah. You know, and... and Back in the day, I mean, I, I've seen the Thames Valley Tigers. First basketball game I ever went to before like an NBA one, before the, the Dominique game, I, I went to, I think, the Guildford Kings were playing the Thames Valley Tigers. That's going back a long way. You probably you, you wouldn't find much about either of those two teams anywhere on, on the internet anymore because this is before, before the days of the internet, right? So, you know, I've, so I've seen a lot of British basketball over the years. It's just a shame it doesn't cut through um, be nice to see it really, really make an impact. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, I was going to actually talk about the, the funding because I remember um, going to watch uh, Team GB at the, the London 2012 Olympics. Yeah. And then and then afterwards they cut the funding for it. I was like, well, well how was because they said the Boswell team didn't do well enough. Well, I'm, th- I'm thinking, well, how are the team meant to do well if you're now going to cut off their support? I know it's, it's surely it should be the other way. I, I, I see it from both sides, but as a basketball fan, it's a sport that is very popular with the sort of people we need to be getting into sport. It's very popular with a demographic that you know needs something like that in their lives. It, it has it yeah, has a yeah, reach yeah. that most other sports don't have. Boxing and basketball are the only two sports really in this country with a sort of that, that attract a kind of inner city young kid that. Uh, basically it's going to keep a lot of kids out of trouble Olympic funding goes to people who quite often don't really need it 
uh, people who who compete in sports that already cost a fortune to do and have been doing them all their lives because they've grown up Mm. you know in in relatively well-to-do circumstances you know it's it's hard to justify spending millions on on yachting and you know skiers (laughs) isn't it you know when when thousands more kids in this country play and want to play sports like basketball and those are the kids we should be helping get into sport so so for too long olympic funding was brutally about medals and the chances of gb ever winning a medal in basketball are so slim that the people who made those decisions thought well why should we be funding it then but surely there has to be a wider some wider social thinking into what sports we fund and by how much right because the olympics is about inspiring people to get into sport well how many kids are going to be inspired to get into luge or you know dressage oh i'm just going to go i'm going to nip down the local park and ride my horse so let's get real about that that i understand that the need for medals and that's that's why we we fund certain sports but i think there should be more to it than that personally yeah no i i agree with you i agree with you and as a knock-on as a knock-on from that actually Mm. right i did i did a lot of work with a a charity sports trader run by lance haggif who's an amazing man won bbc sports personality a year years ago they run a, a, a big charity event called Hoops Aid, which I helped them with okay, one yeah. year. It was an absolute blast. Like, total chaos behind the scenes, but yeah, a yeah. whole lot of fun. Where they, We got loads of celebrities and sports people to play, and we're running around the O2 um, trying to get you know everyone out on court on time. And it, it was just really brilliant. And this, this charity basically recycles kits. So it gets people to... Um, giving their old uh, sports kit and Mm -hmm. they then funnel it back to schools and you know you you can buy it for a a massive knockdown in in their retail outlets in in um um shopping centers around the country it's it's a way of like it's not just the recycling it's actually getting kits to kids who can't afford it basically and and some some of the people who I, i know people who played for britain as a result of this guy getting them kit as a youngster I did I did ask the story of Connor Washington right he went on to play for for Great Britain probably wouldn't ever have got into basketball at the level he did without Lance Haggif without Lance getting him the kit and getting him back on the straight and narrow after he's going for a really bad time and that's not me telling his story that's him telling that story to me so it's the kind of sport that can really make a difference in people's lives right so I, I had fun like chasing around trying to appease Katie Price when she was spitting the dummy and didn't get the seat she wanted at the O2 at this, at this Hoops Aid <laughs> event and I met loads of great people like Derek Chisora Adi Akinfenwa were amazing Mike Bushell from BBC Breakfast is so tiny I played it for laughs and just made it a really really fun <laughs> event and we were getting like video messages from Pierce Brosnan and Boy George and David Hay and David James and all sorts of people right? it was lots of fun nice. but it was an important event as well. It really helped. That charity helps a lot of people. I was really pleased to be part of it. Nice, man. That's amazing, bro. Mate, your, your journey's a... Oh, man. Uh, so it's, it's, <laughs> I wish we could just swap. Just, just, for, just for a day. Just for a day. Um, all right. I have to... I've, just, I've, just, I've just been lucky, though. That's, that's, that's all it is. I'm right, right place at the right time, and I've got passion for basketball, so I've tried to tried to pursue it. Right? And, and I've had missed opportunities as well. I can remember... The Bryn was part of this as well because we were weighing up whether to go. But I had an invite after the Knicks were in London for NBA London mm. from this um, New York sort of club promoter guy. I'd never met him or anything, but someone had sent me an email saying, oh, he's running a club night tonight, like an after party. Okay. Want some journalists to go and, you know, talk his club up. And we were like, oh, should we go? It's the other side of London. It's like nearly midnight now. No, no public transport left. So it's a cab there and back. What do you think? We weighed it up and we thought, no, I've both got to work in the morning, so uh, let's give it a miss. And then I found out um, all the Knicks went oh. to this place. Right, I saw the pics and every table had like three bottles of Jack Daniels on them. Wow. And and Kendrick Lamar, I think, was the was the guy doing the the entertainment. What? So uh, we like we like massively missed out. Oh, <laughs> mate, mate. So, I've, I've, I've still can't regret it even now. Because you had work. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, yeah. Some things are more important, right? <laughs> um, okay, I have some quick fire questions, like um, given okay. your, your your job and given how how many games you've been to. Just quick fire questions. So, favorite? No, 
funniest uh, player that you've interviewed or spoken to? Oh, funniest player. Uh, Joel Embiid. Um, because he's just... Um, what's the right way to put it? What you see is what you get. Speaks his mind. Okay. Like He was like... He was like swearing that, all saying, "Yeah, we, we, we're gonna, we're gonna. I don't know if I can swear on this. But we can break, we're gonna break shit up, and you know, because <laughs> the the Sixers were coming to London, so it was for a preview, and okay. he just didn't care what he said. So he went out of the, into the into the corridor behind the locker room, just a little huddle of English journalists, and we were all like, we're used to um, sports people being quite." Uh, well polished and trained yeah. in how to not say anything controversial yeah. and he was just no I don't care so I'll say what I like <laughs> we're gonna he said we're, we're gonna kick some ass <laughs> it's just funny <laughs> yeah, we can't use any of that thanks Joel um, <laughs> okay um, so him. most interesting person you've spoke to or met in basketball yeah mm, um Maybe Lance, just because of the because of the the work he does, like he's so many stories to tell. Okay. Um, literally, a guy who's like met royalty, and mm. yeah, yeah, he's he's the most impressive person I've met. I think so. Probably him. Um, okay, uh, the friendliest. Friendliest. Uh, what in terms of players or just anyone? Anyone in basketball. Um. Oh, I'll come back to that one. Ask me another one. <laughs> I think I've got something to think about it. Okay. One player that you haven't met or interviewed that you wish you could? Dominique. Okay. I saw him, but I've never interviewed him. He's got like a fascinating story as well. So I would love to, to be able to just, uh, just chat with him. He played for so many teams, won a championship in Greece as yeah. well, you know, just out of the blue. And But his story from, from growing up and playing on, on the mean streets and stuff is great. I'd love to know more about it. Okay. I'm going to say, friendliest person yeah. I met, right, do you, do you remember, I don't even really remember him, right, but there was a 90s band called Another Level. Yeah. <laughs> bear, bear with me. They had like one hit singer in like 98 or something. Um, Dane Bowers was, was in it. Yeah. But Bobat Kanush was part of that band and he came and joined us for Hoops Aid that year. And he, he's like one of the friendliest people I ever met. Brought his whole family. Um, we were all running, running around behind the scenes, desperately trying to get the show out and getting everyone in the right place, shouting into uh, walkie-talkies at each other, which we'd only been given like half an hour before, and he's sort of giggling at the at the chaos going on. We all got it done, and it was okay, but for a while it was, it was quite chaotic. Um, and he just he just called me Iceman, because I'd just walk <laughs> around like to totally cool and calm. And, oh, yeah, I know where your seats are. I'll take you up. That's all right. And he's like, you realise like you're the only person not totally panicking here, don't you? Like, oh, who cares? It's, it's just fun. It's basketball. Who cares? Yeah, come on, enjoy yourself. Here's your seats. Have a good time. And he's laughing at me. So I'm going to go with him. Okay. He was a good guy. Cool. Right. Nice answer. Okay, here's, here's one. If you could interview one person in basketball, dead or alive, and ask them just one question, who would it be and what would the question be? Oh... Um, okay, it would be Larry Bird, okay. right? And and it would be, what the hell were you doing laying that drive in your mother's garden, doing your back <laughs> and and, basic, and basically messing your career up? What the hell were you doing? Do you do you know what you, you could have, you could have been? I mean, he was one of the greatest of all time, but I I still think if he hadn't been messing around. A bit being a good boy and uh, you know helping his mum, <laughs> he could have done so much more in the game. His career could have gone on for like much longer than it did. And imagine, imagine the the dream team at the Olympics with Larry Bird who could actually play. Yeah. Because Bird could barely walk at the time. I think he only played like a few minutes a game. But Larry Bird at the top of his game, that would have been amazing to watch. You know, Magic and Jordan and, and Bird playing. You know his best basketball. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the dream team got on fine without him. But yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> well, yeah, I would totally. You know, yeah. Um, but mate, yeah, okay. As a mummy's boy myself, I can respect Navi Bird for that. So <laughs> that's cool. Ah, <laughs> oh, man, we're gonna move to the final section. You get to choose your your starting five. Doesn't have to be the best players. It's just the the, the five that that you want, that means something to you, mate. So, mm. over to you, okay. the power's in your hands, mate. Who are you going for? Okay, so I've, I've had the chance to think about this, and mm -hmm. um, I had to pick Alton Bird, right? British basketball legend. Okay. I think 
I'd have to check, but I think he was drafted the same year as Larry <laughs> by the Celtics, okay. and obviously never had much hope of, of getting into the the team in, in Boston. Ended up coming to Britain and being a, a huge star. It's not just because I saw him play in that Kings Tigers game years ago, and that was my first game. Fell in love with him, little little sort of Isaiah Thomas type point guard, tiny but you know just just a brilliant point guard, penetrating okay. and and all the rest of it. But also because he presented the show on Channel Four, so he was like the, for a long time he was like the face of the sport in this country, and I've always sure. always associated him with basketball ever since. He's been like he was the first person, he was the first face I could put to the sport really. So I'm having him even though he may not be like the, the world's greatest point guard. Um, That's your choice, mate. It's up to you. That's good. That's cool. Who else? I'm going to have Kawhi just because I absolutely love how not a superstar celebrity is how, how yeah. he's just like expressionless and and <clears throat> doesn't court the fame and he's yeah. just a total he's almost like an anti-hero to everyone else yeah, yeah, <laughs> i just yeah, find yeah. it hilarious and he's he's not someone that anyone really expected to turn out as good as he has he's really had to work at it and he's been mm-hmm. he's gone from being like a, a defensive shutdown king like, best in the game at it to be in this offensive juggernaut as well. And yeah. I can't think of many other players who've gone through the same journey. He's a really difficult private life, difficult backstory with his family. Um, yeah. And I just have maximum respect for the guy. Mm. Also partly because um, he chose not to go to LA and just be LeBron's sidekick. He wanted to do it himself. You know, he had the chance to go and, and do that like others have. But he thought, no, I, I, I want to do something different. I want to do something special. So... You know, well, uh, I mean, <laughs> as a Raptors fan, if you want to do something special, you could have stayed in Toronto, <laughs> mate. That would help. Yeah, but to go there in the first place was was quite a big step. You know, he went to a he went to a, a team that had never won the NBA before and helped them win it. And yeah. we haven't seen many playoff runs like that. That was that was one of the all time great playoff runs. You look at his numbers and his stats and and what he did and the the ball bouncing on. You can still see the ball bouncing on the basket, can't you? With that final <laughs> shot, yeah. right? Against, yeah, was it against the yeah. Sixers, I think. I mean. Yep. Amazing. So okay, he left, and yeah, I get that Raptors fans are not going to be too happy with him for that. But he could have ended up. No. He could have ended up in in LA being LeBron's psychic, and that would have been so sad. Yeah. I wanted to see the. I wanted to see those two teams in the Western Conference Finals slugging it out. Um, yeah, and it's a shame I mean, it hasn't really ha- hasn't turned out like that. But I like that he, he went to the Clippers to a much smaller market and mm. wanted to do his own thing. You know, with yeah. his own team. I, I respect that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, all jokes aside, he, him leaving Toronto, even though it was sad, he's like, he's from LA, he wanted to go home. I can't begrudge yeah. that. It's like, yeah. do you, man? Do you? Okay, carry on, sorry. I've got to pick Dominique just because I fell in love with him, you know, and, and I saw him in that game in, in, in 93. Uh, I've always thought he's someone who's been kind of massively underrated, and I, I like I like people who are underrated, like the underdog, you know? Mm-hmm. Someone who who kind of gets overlooked when you look back at the nineties, because obviously not part of the dream team. So they're the guys who get the the big, um, um, you know, the, the fame and, and celebrity, and looking back, and never won a ring, never never really came that close to winning a ring, but mm. did just about everything he possibly could. And people sort of remember him now as as just a scorer, like a a Jordan who, who couldn't do all the rest of the game and never learned to be a a teammate or never learned to to be a, a defensive stopper but I think he's I think that's that's a bit misguided I think he did learn those things and I don't think it was really his fault that the Hawks didn't get over the hump with him I think they came close a few times there's the duel with Bird in 87 I think um, it's like an amazing game 7 where they just go toe to toe one of the best games I've ever seen mm. um, they came so close that year to doing something special so I've always had a bit of a, a soft spot for him because I thought he's someone who he probably deserved to win a ring. Really, he deserves to have more credit for his career, but but doesn't get the credit he deserves. So I'm going to have him in there. And he's also cool. so much fun to watch. So much fun to watch. Um, how many is that? That's, is that three already? I've got yeah, to have Larry. Three. I've got to have Larry, just okay. because watching this pasty little white kid playing <laughs> in in the NBA and. and Literally, people say this about him, but you thought, oh, "What can this kid do? He can't. He can't really jump. He's not very athletic. He's not quick." But Larry Bird was the best player in the NBA. He had like no 
physical attributes that would make you that good for this sport, right? He, mm. he couldn't. He couldn't run. He couldn't. It wasn't a, a, a. He didn't have a great jump. Okay, but that guy worked harder than anyone else in the league, and he could shoot the lights out. I mean, people remember him as, as just a shooter, but it, it was all the rest of it that he brought as well. It was the the determination and the the will to win and the fact that he was always the last one to leave training, like the total leader in the locker room and the the, the passing ability. People forget Larry Bird was all about making his teammates better. I don't think yeah. enough modern NBA stars are like that anymore. I mean, I, I remember him as someone who, if he saw if he knew someone was struggling in a game, he'd get the ball to them. Can you really see the big superstars today doing that? They don't do that. They, they think he's struggling, I'm shooting the ball. Yeah, right? yeah. Larry knew when someone needed a lift and would get them involved in the offense and that's how, that's how the Celtics would win. So I, I enjoyed that about him. He, he was like um, someone you could tell had to go further than his natural gifts would take him and he just got there by hard work and being brilliant. Sure. And all the stories that people tell about that, that make you that make you smile, you know, like he'd, he'd come on the court with three seconds to go and the, they've just called a timeout and the coach has, has called up the play and he'd go right to his defender and say, this is what we're doing. I'm getting the ball here. I'm shooting it right in your face and I'm going to win the game. And then he'd do it. Uh, not many players have the balls to do that. And I just I love, love the guy for that. Love it. Sweet. So he's in. Cool. <laughs> I'm going to have Tim Duncan. I think that's my fifth. Hey. That's, that's five, right? I've okay. got Tim Duncan just because um, quiet leadership, right? Sure, sure. Again, like not not massive, did, never courted the limelight, never a big star, always did and said the right things, worked on his game and became probably the best power forward we've ever had because he could do things in a quite understated way but that no other player in that position has been able to do I love Charles Barkley from the 90s when I was growing up and he had again he had like a physicality and a athleticism that, that Tim Duncan can't match but Tim Duncan is a better player and that's why he, he won more than, than Charles Barkley ever did because he worked on his game um, and the other thing I love about him is that he, he retired around a similar time to, to Kobe right but Kobe being Kobe had to do like the 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 farewell tour, right? And announce it and, and be the big and make it all about him. Mm. Tim Duncan just sort of quietly said, Yeah, I'm gonna retire. Just put a little statement out and <laughs> yeah. I've I've loved the game. That's it for me, I'm I'm going. And that was it. And I respect that more than the you know, I'm the big star. I, I like I like people like that who who work hard and get to the top through that rather than caught in the limelight and being the big mm. you know the big superstar publicity type person basically so so he's okay. in too but I want a sixth man right? right I have to have have to have <laughs> I have to have Kevin McHale coming off the bench okay. because he was like the greatest sixth man I won't say of all time but one of them when he was the sixth man at, at Boston and also he was absolutely amazing in cheers <laughs> <laughs> if you, if you've, ne- if you've never seen the episodes with um, Kevin McHale in Cheers, he's like really funny, so you should watch him, okay? <laughs> so I've got to have him too. That's a, that's a lovely reason for putting him in your team. <laughs> totally, you see? Totally. <laughs> More basketball stars should do comedy. I want, I want, to, see, I want to see Kawhi in, in the office. <laughs> uh, oh, have you seen that advert of Kawhi and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger? I haven't, no. What's that? What's that for? Oh, what was it? I think it was when he went to the Clippers... Um, okay. Because obviously, after he got the ship in Toronto, he was, he was called like the machine. So then yeah. they, they kind of played on that whole nickname. And he does an advert with um with Arnold Schwarzenegger. When Arnold Schwarzenegger, Arnold Schwarzenegger is the Terminator. And yeah. then at the end, they kind of flip it where Kawhi is the Terminator. Okay. And you kind of see, like, <laughs> he gets that the red dot in, in his eye. Um, it, I, I'm not describing it well, I'm not doing it justice. But if you just type in Kawhi Leonard, Honestly, I will. I will. That advert should come up. It's a, it's a great advert. So do you? So do you really hate Kawhi now? You can't. You can't no, see him playing. No. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you know. I don't. Oh, you should still be in Toronto. I don't hate him. I don't. I, don't, I have no uh, hatred for him whatsoever. It's all love. But I just. I was, okay. I was, when I see him, I'm like, oh man. If I just wonder what what if 
what would have yeah, happened yeah. if he had stayed. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, but I don't begrudge him for wanting to go to LA. He wanted to go home. You know, we got the chip, and he's like, okay, here's the chip, I'm going to yeah. go now. I was like, all right, mate. I'd love for you to stay, but okay, cool. Um, until that until that run, that playoff run with the Clippers that went so badly, um, and they were just all out of shape, and you could tell there were problems in the, the locker room with yeah. the whole thing, um, yeah. and he disappeared. Genuinely thought he is the best player in the NBA, but probably doesn't, probably won't ever be seen as that because you got like Curry and LeBron and you know like loads of other people too. But I, I, on both sides of the floor, when yeah. when Kawhi is at his best, I don't think there's anyone who affects a game more at both ends of the mm. court. You know, so yeah, definitely, definitely. I, mean, I, have, I had a conversation with my brother um, when he went to LA, and we were saying if he was to get if he was to get a chip in LA after doing in Toronto and getting a chip in San Antonio, then he's got to go down as one of the greats. Oh yeah, I think he already will. But if he does that, yeah, that's that's seriously impressive. Yeah, two two teams that you would have you'd think would have no hope really of of I've certainly never done it before. You know, so yeah, yeah, um, that'd be great. Okay, so just to re- recap your team: Autumn Bird, Kawhi Leonard, oh, I miss him, Dominique Wilkins, Larry Bird, Tim Duncan, Kevin yeah. McHale, Off basketball bench, player yeah. slash actor. <laughs> um, that, yeah. No, that is a hard-working grafting team. Yeah, there's there's some razzmatazz there. You get you get some highlight reel dunks from Dominique and some oh, no, flashy passing from Larry too. You know, but, but I mean, yeah, that's like, a hard. That's a team of workers. Yeah, yeah. If they need that to probably says a lot up. about me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they they yeah. See, and a team that shares the ball as well. Like one thing I hate is um, too much like ISO stuff in in the NBA these days, and and people just think they they should shoot all the time. So I, I like teams that share the ball. Yeah. Ah, oh, cool. Okay, man. That's a great team. Paul, thank you so much for uh, coming onto the podcast and, and chatting. Problem, and it's a pleasure. Your, your, your journey and your, your your experiences have made me jealous. I kind of feel like I wish I could have your job just for a little bit. <laughs> if people would like to uh, follow you, find you, maybe ask you more about your, your possible journey, where can they do so? Where can they find you? I'm on Twitter. I'm PB Sports Writer is my handle. Um, that's where I'm, I'm most often found. I chat basketball and also, you know, there's a lot of football on there because that's my... Um, that's my job too. So yeah, you can you can find me in there. I'm in I'm in the newspaper most days as well. If you want to read my stuff, cool. sadly not not nice. enough basketball in that for my liking. But I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, mate. Don't worry. But baby steps, man. We'll get there, man. Yeah. I feel like yeah. the ball is is growing. No, there's so many. Go to games, people. people. Go to games. It's yeah. better than watching at home. I, I tell you. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, definitely, man. I, I feel like this, the. the the fandom, the fan, fandom, is that the, the community of fans yeah, yeah. is ever growing. So yeah, that's, that's that's only a good thing. It's only a good yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. Cheers, mate, for coming on, man. I appreciate you, man. No problem, guys. That's another episode in the can. I hope you I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, remember to give us a listen, like, you know, like us on social media, NBA underscore UK fans on Insta and Twitter. Get the word out, man. The more people know about basketball, the better. Until next time, take care. See you later. Bye.